fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Hannah, don't look at me. I won't. Hannah's been turning her head and looking at me, and she keeps banging her head on the microphone because I'm sitting behind. Is this weird that I'm sitting behind you? A little bit. <laughs> it's also going to creep me out, especially because of the topic, because I don't like today's topic. Yeah. And so this is going to make me feel like somebody's watching me because you are watching me. Yeah. But I'm not going to turn around or else I'm going to smack my head into the microphone. Just turn again. around and look at me right now. No. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't know. I'm just too lazy to get up and move the chair. That's fine. We, so it's just it's, how it it's is. It's not necessary. You know. Today is the day we're going to talk about clowns. I feel like a clown right now because I did not have any energy to put any makeup on. Which theoretically you should feel the opposite of that because clowns do put on makeup. Yes, but I feel like a clown without makeup. Um, um, I have real insecure about my freckles. I love freckles. Yeah. Well, this one t- day, this lady at work said, Lacey, you got some dirt on your face. And I looked and I was like, that's, not my, that's, that's my freckles. Oh, I love freckles. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about some different kind of makeup today with mm-hmm. our clowns. And I personally think it's terrifying. I, clowns are one of those irrational fears that I have. Yeah. Well, there's a reason clowns are terrifying, which is what we're going to talk about today. So you're going to you're telling me it is rational? It, well, yeah, it is, it is rational now. There is definitely yes. a reason to be afraid of clowns. But in general, I just I don't know. They don't creep. I mean, a creepy clown just creeps me out, but like a creepy elephant would creep me out. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, a creepy anything. Yeah, I think probably what ruined me is uh, the clowns at Atrox. Mm. See, the, I, a whole clown room, and I just no. Um, I volunteered once at children's hospital and they have clowns not scary clowns obviously but hopefully clown not. volunteers they're professional clowns D- is that what you volunteered to do no oh no but um i feel Next like time. they should probably listen to this episode and and maybe just have, be, have professional superheroes yeah oh in, yeah instead of clowns because we've got some stories for you today mm-hmm. we sure do so we're gonna start obviously there's not a disney clown movie although no, I'm not surprised. There's some I'm clowns in Dumbo, but we're going to do a whole other episode right. on Dumbo and then a whole other episode on a circus. So. That's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot Stay we talked tuned. about this. Stay tuned. So today's just, we're just talking about clowns in general. Mm-hmm. So there's something called colrophobia, colrophobia, which means the phobia of clowns. So Hannah shot it. I should probably figure out how to pronounce that since I have colrophobia. it. Colrophobia. Colrophobia. So I have that. That picture of the clown I have right there looks like Ed Sheeran dressed up as a clown. <laughs> I'll post right, it now, on now, now it's less scary, so mm-hmm. thank you. It kind of does a little yeah. bit. Sorry, Ed. So part of why clowns are scary is because you can never really know what is going on behind the painted face with those hidden eyes, the mouth carved into that fake artificial smile. Clowns sound happy and they act happy, but it's a happiness that teeters on this edge of hysteria. There's this manic joy, which, if threatened, could slip into something very sinister without missing a heartbeat. Yeah. The symbolism of a clown is terrifying. It it goes deep, right? It does. 
Clowns weren't always meant to be scary, though. So the, the word clown originally means clawed or clumsy, boorish fellow. Uh, it's thought to be derived from the old Danish word cluny, um, which means the same thing. Mm-hmm. Clowns typically are seen as pranksters, jesters, jokers, harlequins. These all originate back, back to the like original mythologized trickster. So these things have been around for ages. Mm-hmm. Tracing back to the figure of the clown leads us to this trickster, which was an, it's an archetypal character that appears in myths and many different cultures. Every culture has a trickster character. Mm -hmm. They are known to cross and often break both physical and societal rules of life by playfully disrupting what's seen as normal and then reestablishing it on a new basis. Mm -hmm. They would openly question and mock authority and they were usually very fond of breaking the rules and playing tricks on both the humans and the gods. So you can think of Loki, like I the, trick, love the trickster Loki. god. Yeah, I'm and always rooting for Loki. Right, and they're not, you know, they're not necessarily evil. They're like this kind of playful, mm-hmm. or sometimes evil, sometimes not. Right, but it's not. They're not always the villain. Yeah, sometimes it's like a playful jokester type right. of thing, and then sometimes their jokes go a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. The very first evidence of such characters comes from. 25,000, nope, (laughs) English teacher, 2,500 BCE, Mm -hmm. when pygmy clowns performed as jesters for Egyptian pharaohs. Old Cleopatra. Yes. got her little I'm sure she had plenty of them. Mm -hmm. Then in about 300 BC, Chinese emperor Shi Huangti oversaw the building of the Great Wall of China which involved, I mean, thousands of laborers were killed during its construction. And so the emperor wanted the wall painted, which then would have caused even more deaths. However, his jester, so he had one named Yu Zi, was the only person able to criticize his plan and actually convince the emperor to change his mind. Mm-hmm. So he just saved a lot of people's lives. He Hon- did. Honestly, in 300 BC, where do you get that much paint? Where do you get paint? And then where do you get that much paint to paint the entire Great Wall of China? No idea. We'll have to do another episode on that. Yeah. Historical. Mm-hmm. The history paint. of paint. Where does the red paint come mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. Blood. That's right. Uh, the blood of make, his we, victims. We could make it spooky for, yeah. for sure. Um, there are other fun accounts of, quote, a funny man in ancient Rome named Archimimus. So he was known for performing impressions of the deceased at their own funerals. Um, and he was even allowed to o- to offend a grieving family member. That reminds me of the Westboro Baptist Church demonstrating at funerals. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but this was allowed, and that was probably not. No, nah, yeah. This was, like, socially allowed uh-huh. back then, whereas that was very socially Maybe they upon. cheered some people up. Maybe. I mean, and it's... Uh, uh, Shakespeare, I mean, nerdy moment, but Shakespeare does this a lot in his tragedies. He has a character of comic relief that, like, makes a joke at very inappropriate times, but it does, like, release some of the tension. Yeah. So maybe, maybe there's a positive motivation there. Mm-hmm. For centuries, the Cherokee people of North America, they have their own version of this. They performed a ritual reenacting against outsider intrusion. Called the, It was called the Booger Dance. Mm-hmm. It begins with a prelude in which tribe members would dance together for about 30 minutes. Then a group of 10 males would arrive wearing masks representing foreigners, often disguised as though they had been infected with smallpox. or So they basically were like wearing a clown mask mm-hmm. that would have looked like sick. Mm-hmm. 
Each masked man uh, would perform strange steps as if he were clumsy or drunk, um, supposedly imitating the way a white man would attempt to perform native dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, as these boogers danced, the surrounding tribe members would ask them about their nationality and their identity, and the quote-unquote booger would answer with a resounding fart, mm. which would then be greeted by loud applause. They were just basically making fun of a, the white yes. white people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which deserved because right. like, they were coming in and still just a big old land. go listen to the pocahontas episode oh yes we didn't talk about the booger dance in the pocahontas we, we episode. didn't <laughs> we didn't she, but i'm pocahontas sure she was probably some. doing a cartwheel and on the side yep <laughs> just a big old <laughs> yep uh, we we're now like 14 year old boys just mm-hmm. with the fart jokes mm-hmm. so then there were the court jesters from the medieval and tudor period and this might be kind of i guess what a lot of people my picture as yeah. jesters. Mm-hmm. Um, these jesters have fallen into a modern day stereotype. For the most part, they were viewed as having been dumb people who were adept at clownish activities such as juggling or gymnastics. They would wear these like really flamboyant outfits. So they weren't seen as very smart. The and the flamboyant outfits part was true. The novice jesters typically wore colorful costumes with those like three-pointed hats and the bells at the end, kind of like what you see on a playing card. Oh, yeah. The three-pointed hat was probably an allusion to earlier times when jesters would wear donkey ears and a tail. So you've got the two ears and tail. Mm -hmm. The professional jesters of the court would wear nicer clothing as in attempts to kind of blend into the crowd. Yeah. But contrary to the stereotype, these jesters were actually very smart and used their wit as a tool to navigate the royal court system. Um, unlike anyone else at court, jesters were allowed to freely speak their mind. Everybody else had to follow these like very fancy rules and manners. Mm-hmm. But jesters could speak their mind, and they they wouldn't be they would have no fear of punishment. Mm-hmm. They no filter, right? They no, and the, they were allowed to have no filter. It was yeah. just like common knowledge. Many times, the jesters would use this to. They would use this chance to at free speech to like criticize the monarch openly, but again, it's almost kind of like covered in this in this comedy. Mm-hmm. So, is he joking or is he serious? We don't know. So they let it slide. So the the jester actually their function was somewhat to act as a critic, and many stories exist to support the fact that kings would actually pay heed to the criticism of the court jester. So sometimes people just laughed it off as a joke, and then other times kings were like. No, that's actually... That's it was actually a pretty good a gig. Good idea. I know. Like they were well-respected. Right. I'd rather be a court jester than a um, cupbearer. Yeah, absolutely. Just Hannah just again. looked back at me. I, I can't do that. Don't look, don't look at me. I mean, both of them, they've got they've got a, you know, po- pros and cons. But for mm-hmm. the most part, these jesters were allowed to speak their mind. There was no kind of repercussion for it. Sometimes the kings would take their, their word for it. Um, something I would not enjoy, though. They were also used as messengers on the battlefield. So as you can imagine, this is very dangerous, and um, this is probably where the term "don't shoot the messenger" uh, came from. The enemy, if if the enemy did not like what the jester had to say, then things often ended poorly for them. Obviously, obviously, um, poorly as in sometimes their heads were sent back home via a catapult. Yeah, just chopped a it little, off. A little, I imagine, <laughs> just one of those heads with the three ears and the bell <laughs> just, just like, flapping in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, so that's if it went poorly for them. Mm-hmm. If for the jesters who did survive um, and they were able to deliver their message and they made it back home, 
it was often their job to then evaluate the morale of the army. So they kind of were bringing back messages as well. This was done via song and dance. Um, this was often carried on into battle. And then when both armies would line up, it was the job of the jester to continue the entertainment. So again, kind of trying to lighten the mood. Oftentimes this would involve making jokes about the opposing side with the hopes that angering the enemy would um, cause them to break rank. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they were I out there just, just like... An, <laughs> I imagine just an army lined up and a um, jester is just doing backflip, backflip, right, right backflip, in the middle. And then it's just like... And then it's <laughs> when he like, sticks the landing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that would make people, that would break the mood and then you couldn't do They're it. like, just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Let's all go home I mean, it's and like, be friends. Don't they, I mean, I feel like people nowadays do that when they're like in a fight with their spouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Someone like makes a joke and the tension's relieved and they're like, never mind. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Which speaking of farting, mm-hmm. um, there's several famous gestures across, uh, from, from across history that we want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. First off being Roland the Farter. That guy. That guy. He was court jester to King Henry II, who is best known for his ability to break wind on command. I know several boys who can I do that. Also I also live so. with one of them. <laughs> I also live with one of them. They would have them. been great jesters. They would have. I think they would have enjoyed this. This um, So, Roland the Farter, his, his famous move was typically reserved for one performance a year. On Christmas Day. Mm, He's saving it all up. Saves it all up for that day. He was known for ending his act with a simultaneous, quote, jump, whistle, and fart. Jump. (laughs) Just just like that. Jump. No. Hold on. So you you do like a... I can't whistle. There's the jump. Jump. (laughs) Hold on. I'll do the whistle. You do the fart. Okay. That was the jump. Yeah, you said you do the whistle. Oh, I'll do the whistle. My bad. Uh Okay. That's what he would do on Christmas Day. I like how many attempts that just took us. I, I think how, I think how Roland whistle. felt. Yeah. He's having to actually do it himself. Roland, you might think he was, you know, looked down upon, but he was so revered for his annual performance that he was actually gifted Hemingstone Manor along with 30 acres of land from the king on top of payment for his annual That's efforts. What I'm saying. It was a good He gig. got paid to jump, whistle, and fart and got a house and land for it. Mm hmm. What am I doing with my What are life? we doing? What What are we doing? So uh, some more famous jesters. Sexton Will Somar and Jane Fool. These are King Henry VIII's jesters. That's a that's a tough gig. That is a tough one. Off with your head. If, yeah, if, if you you're not farted funny, in the wrong tone, in the wrong key, <laughs> done. If your fart came out weak, you were out of here. Maybe that's what was wrong with Anne Boleyn. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's another episode idea for us. Yeah. So the truth of fools in the Tudor court is a little bit more complicated than the typical image we think of as fools and gestures today. Um, Termed, quote, natural fools, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. Will and Jane and Sexton were adults with learning disabilities. Because they were actually, quote, unquote, yeah, they were had natural. They were naturally not smart. Right. This this one, uh, this one's not as not as good of a gig as a Mm -hmm. Roland. No, but it was. Because they were treated excellently. Oh, but that makes me sad. Like Roland, at least, like he came up. He he willingly. Yeah, they were laughing at their it, yeah their expense. Yeah, um, their lack of social awareness and their bluntness was found to be endearing by the royals. I'm sure they just had no idea what was going on. Really, and again, just said what they thought. Right, 
with no no filter mm-hmm. but this was because of like a learning disability rather than like a knowledge of i'm allowed to have no filter and it's fine yeah jane was often showered with gifts from her mistress Anne boleyn and was one of the best dressed women at court after the queen and the princess while will was featured in an intimate position with henry uh in an intimate position between whoa whoa, whoa, I know, whoa that just that's just <laughs> you change one preposition yeah. right there and it changes the whole meaning intimate position between Henry and his children in a family portrait. So he was basically treated like a family member. Mm-hmm. So so Jane was treated like a royal court, lady at court, and he was treated like a family member. Well into the 18th and 19th century, the prevailing clown figure of Western Europe and Britain was the pantomime clown. So this was more of that kind of bumbling, buffoon, idiot-type character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a man named Joseph Grimaldi, who was the first recognizable ancestor of the modern clowns. We're getting closer to what we picture today. Yeah. He's the reason why clowns are still sometimes called joeys. I don't really normally refer to them as joeys, but... I've never heard of that. I know a kangaroo's named Joey, but... That's what I was thinking. Uh, Though his clowning was of a theatrical and not circus tradition, Grimaldi is so identified with the modern clowns that a church in East London has conducted a Sunday service in his honor every year since 1959 with the congregation all dressed in full clown regalia. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely Let's not. Let's do that. Absolutely not. Or dress up just in something. You know? that, uh, that would be the creepiest church service mm. ever, but to each their own, Grimaldi. Grimaldi made the clown the leading character of the pantomime, um, changing the way he looked and acted before him, a clown who may have worn makeup, but it was usually just a bit of like, you know, the rogue on the cheeks, just a little red cheeks. You mean rouge? Yeah. Rogue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rogue, rogue mm-hmm. clowns. I'm already like predicting where the rest of the story goes. Right. Um, Grimaldi, however, suited up in bizarre, colorful costumes. He did the stark white face paint, punctured by the spots of bright red on his cheeks, and then he topped it off with a blue mohawk. Mm-hmm. Which, that's not the normal. I normally picture the like red puffs of hair on the side. Yeah, like a red fro. Yeah, not not the blue mohawk. Mm-hmm. Author Andrew McConnell Stodham uh, wrote about Grimaldi's experience or not experience his his appearance. Do you want to read what this says? Sure. Quote: It began with a thick foundation of grease paint applied to every exposed inch of face, neck, and chest. He fixed it with a cloud of powder, then painted a blood-red wound, a mile-wide smear of jam, to form the gaping, gluttonous cavern of a mouth. The eyes, wide and rolling, were arched by thick brows. Each cheek received a red chevron that conveyed insolently rude health while being simultaneously suggested of some exotic beast of Hindu demonology. Which, we don't want our clowns to be suggestive of demonology but that makes but sense they are. that makes sense why i'm scared of it mm-hmm. also the blood red wound yeah so there's definitely some creepy stuff here mm-hmm. however grimaldi was such a star that the character he had invented became closely associated with him this so, is what i'm talking about there's I, always a sad side i know his real life was anything but a comedy though he'd grown up with a tyrant of a stage father he was prone to bouts of depression his first wife died during childbirth his son was an alcoholic clown who drank himself to death by age 31. And Grimaldi's physical gyrations, the leaps and tumbles and violent slapstick that had made him famous, left him in constant pain and permanently disabled. 
So mm. all of this was hiding behind the, the face. Grimaldi himself would actually joke and said, I am grim all day, but make but I make you laugh at night. Yeah. So it's supposed to be a play on his name. Mm-hmm. Grimaldi, grim all day. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite parts. Charles Dickens was charged with editing Grimaldi's memoirs and is known for inventing the scary clown. Because you know Charles Dickens is going to come in there and make that sad. Right. He's got, And just we need a little bit of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right. So... He created a figure who is literally destroying himself to make his audiences laugh. Um, what Dickens did was to make it difficult to look at a clown without wondering what was going on underneath the makeup. You already so, knew. Yeah, so he he you know made it more about what's behind the face than than what's in front of it. Another um, person, Jean Gaspard Dubaru Perrault, mm-hmm. was a famous clown in France. But where Grimaldi's story was tragic, Deborah's was sinister. In 1836, he killed a boy with a blow from his walking stick after the youth shouted insults at him on the street. And he was ultimately acquitted of the murder. A killer clown. Killer, killer clown number one of the mm-hmm. day. So the two biggest clowns of the early modern clowning era were clearly very troubled men underneath the face paint. After Grimaldi and Deborah's heyday, clowns left the theater and began appearing in the circuses starting around 1760. Mm-hmm. And we've already said we're going to do a whole, gotta do a whole, a whole episode on clowns. No, I mean, no. on the circus. We're doing <laughs> like an episode that is on what clowns we're right doing now. Yeah. Currently, we're going to do one on the circus. In 1892, Leon Cavallo wrote a short Italian opera called Pagliacci. Pagliacci. Mm-hmm. Pagliacci which means clowns, in which the main character murders his cheating wife on stage during a performance. Yeah. I would go see that. That's what I mean when I say there's a reason clowns are dark. Right. But I, I might go see that one. And they're singing the whole time, which mm-hmm. makes it creepy. Clowns had, this. that was in Italy, clowns had sort of a heyday in America with the television age and children's entertainers like Clara Bell the Clown Howdy Doody, Silent Partner, and maybe most famously, Bozo the Clown. Mm -hmm. Bozo, by the mid-1960s, was the beloved host of a hugely popular international syndicated children's show. And there was a 10-year wait for tickets to see this show. I used to have a Bozo the Clown. I got him from Cracker Barrel. No way. Yeah. You also, yeah, Ronald McDonald. I was about to say, this is the one I knew the most. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1963, McDonald's, brought out Ronald McDonald, the happy, the hamburger happy clown. I can remember those benches outside of McDonald's yeah. that would have like the, the big statue. clown statue on there with his arm like mm-hmm. wrapped around where you could sit and take a picture. I never did. Yep. I bet you didn't. Um, and then in 1986. This is really. This is where it all. Yeah. This is where it all comes mm-hmm. together. Stephen King released the horror novel It. This story follows the experiences of seven children as they are terrorized by an evil entity that exploits the fears of its victims to disguise itself while hunting its prey. Um, this movie was primarily appears in the form of, or it from the movie primarily appears in the form of Pennywise, the dancing clown, to attract the young children as its prey. Into drain pipes. Into drain pipes. Yeah, because then it was... Um, that the movie is a the movie was remade recently because mm-hmm. 1986 was the the novel but yeah um, the movie was remade recently um, but even more so also recently in 2016 do you remember when all those clowns kept showing up like the clown oh yeah 
in the news. Mm-hmm. Like all these scary clowns were just popping up all over the U.S. Um, people were reporting that they were found just standing and staring at the edge of forests or near schools. Terrifying. So I need to look and see. Did that was that around when the new movie was remade? No. I was like, mate, I I, I'm so. like trying to justify like why, why, Mm-mm. why now, clowns? A little boy during all this, a little boy in South Carolina told his mother that two people dressed as clowns were trying to lure him into the woods. And then this story hit the media and it just seemed like creepy clowns were popping up everywhere. Like even in other countries, everybody Mm -hmm. was reporting this. Clowns everywhere. And people would take videos of the clowns. So there were videos of clowns approaching cars in the middle of the night, standing in people's gardens, just standing perfectly still on a corner of a street in like a random little country town holding a balloon. (laughs) Like I just, I have chills and I don't like it. Let me tell you this. If I was driving and a clown was just popped out in front of me and is just standing there holding a balloon. I'm sorry, you're getting run over. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. If it's like late at night and there's a chance of me getting hurt. Yeah, I'm not that, I'm not going anywhere. I'm no way getting out of my car. Uh-uh. Not taking time to videotape it. No. Just hitting the gas pedal. Yep. At one point, all this actually got pretty dangerous. On October 8th, around 9.30 p.m., two 12-year-old girls in Adelaide were with a parent buying ice cream when they were a Attacked by a creepy clown. No, thank you. While attacking the girls, the clown tried to steal one of the girls' phones. And there was there were similar violent inc- incidents all around the world. Some attacks by clowns, other attacks on clowns, which... Me, that, that would, I would yeah, be a part of us. that. In Germany, on October 25th, a 16-year-old masked as a clown was stabbed with a knife by a 14-year-old in Berlin. Yeah. I hope she didn't get in trouble. I mean, uh, yeah... You need, there needs to be more to, I mean, we should, there's more context to that, obviously. Yeah. Like, what was he doing? Like, was, if he was acting like he was going to hurt her, then right, that's your bad. Right, right. I highly doubt he was just, like, standing on a corner and they mm-hmm. just, like, stabbed her. But it's not funny. No. People thought it was funny, and it's just not, nope. especially in light of everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing it back to our hometown, in Alabama, at least seven people face felony charges of making a terrorist threat connected to quote, clown-related activity. Yeah. I'm glad that I never saw any of them. I'm glad that's over. And then the pandemic happened, so. Right. I mean, uh, here we are. And then and then here we are. Hopefully that never becomes like a funny joke mm-hmm. again. So, But anyway, this inherent creepiness was taken to a whole new extreme with the idea of the killer clown. We've talked about the creepy clown, the dancing clown, all that. The hamburger happy meal clown. Mm-hmm. But this, the killer clown was a whole new thing. And some people believe it all started with the arrest of serial killer John Wayne Gacy. I believe John Wayne Gacy, who is our true crime for today, yes. is the reason that there are scary clowns. Yep. And we're, we're going to tell you why, because he definitely was scary mm-hmm. for for lots of reasons. So many, so many reasons we may not be able to tell you all of them, but yeah, yeah. we're going to tell you a lot I'm going to need a couple snacks before then. Yes, let's do snacks and then spooks. Okay, snacks and spooks. Snacks and spooks. Lacey said, go ahead and start her up. Go ahead and start her up. I've been waiting for Hannah to get here just so we can eat these. Today, I tried to find a clown-themed snack at the Piggly Wiggly. Which... The only thing I could find were those circus peanuts. But we're doing. Candy. But we're doing a circus. First of all, yeah, gross. That's why I, I said no. It had a big clown on the bag, though. But we're doing a circus episode. Yeah. So 
do you go is yeah that circus we could have gotten circus themed animal crackers anyway so today we're getting uh, i brought three of bud's best cookies which we, is an alabama oh bud yes. is an alabama man that that makes cookies and uh, the man, the they're man little, the myth and the legend yep oh bud uh, you have you ever been to the his factory to get a tour i thought no. like we should do that anyway <gasps> Yes, yeah. add that break. Live snack, on snack. tour. <laughs> yes, I love it. So I got three flavors, and I okay. thought we'd try them. Okay. Um, the first one is birthday cake. Okay. These are all small, bite-sized cookies. This is birthday cake. Here okay. you go. Okay. Ooh, that's loud. Mm-hmm. Smells uh-huh. like cake batter. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is Hannah. Mhm. Mhm. I can't chew in the microphone because I have um, TMJ, and so uh, just your jaw popping all the time. Those are good. Those act. They actually have. Did you see that it has little like um, sprinkles? Yeah, because bud sprinkles goes all the way. Inside. Don't need another one. We got another bag. Put that to the side. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Next, we got chocolate peanut butter. I got. Ooh. I actually got these the other day when I was at the thrift store. They were selling them on the side. They weren't. They weren't thrifted cookies, but they sell them. These are all open packages that have just been taped back chocolate, shut and resold. Chocolate peanut butter. Okay. Looks like this tastes like a Reese's cup. Yep. Mmm. Mhm. 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 Bud does it good. Okay. It's Bud's best. That is very good. Mmm. That tastes like um Reese's puffs. And last but not least, we have lemon creams. Okay, okay. Lemon. So there's a little bit of everything for everybody. Mmm. Mmm. Oh. Even before you bite into this one, you can taste the lemon. Oh, yeah? Oh, you just I hear like sm- that? I s- yeah, oh. I did. Was that your jaw? Mm-hmm. I like smelling them all first. Mm-hmm. Those are very light and refreshing. Mm-hmm. My favorite is the chocolate, second favorite butter, butter, birthday, third, lemon creams. I might surprise you here. I'm going to say birthday cake, lemon cream, chocolate. No. The chocolate tastes like a Reese's. I know they do, but I think that's because in my mind I've had a, you know, like there's something else out there that tastes like that. I haven't ever had like a little, a little cookie, a little birthday cake cookie. Okay. And well. the lemons are just, maybe the lemons are good because it's summer. You know, it's, it's a warm day outside. It's not summer. It just turned, today's like oh, the first well, day of spring. Well, but it feels, it feels good I outside. I know what you mean. It's warm outside. Mm-hmm. So the lemon's like refreshing. They have other flavors. If you're not from here, I'm sure you can get them online somewhere. I, I bet you Amazon sells them. Oh, yeah. Bud's Best Cookies. Get Bud's you Best Cookies. some today. Little cookie, big taste. But, That's the thing. Oh, same. I thought you made that up. I was like, damn. No. It's good. I'm, All right. That's their saying. Uh, now to the true crime that that uh, dun, dun, dun. I have been. Not, I, I've not been looking forward to telling this. I will have nightmares. Because it is so, yes. Yeah, I will have I'm nightmares. Scared. I already know. All right. Okay, let's just do it. welcome back thank you i knew that today when we were talking about clowns that there was no way that we could go into this true crime without talking about john wayne gacy unfortunately right i just i just swiped open my phone to like look at our notes for two seconds and it was just a massive photo of him Mm -hmm. dressed as a clown there's no way of getting around it and most people know his story that's another reason 
I wasn't looking forward to telling it because most people know, but do you really? Right. Do I mean, you? they probably know parts of it, but maybe not, maybe yeah. not the parts we're going to tell you about. Yeah. Like, so I that, don't know. I don't know a lot about him. Yeah. So John Wayne Gacy, AKA the killer clown right off the bat. There you go. You he, already know. He is known for being one of the worst serial kiss, kissers, killers <laughs> and, and kissers, unfortunately Ugh. in history, murdering at least 33 young male victims. Yikes. I got bud cookie just in my mouth. You mm. Know? Mm. Mm. You swallow that. So John Wayne Gacy was born into an upper middle class family in Chicago on March 17th, 1942, which is St. Patrick's day, which we just had. So he would have been one of Lacey's favorite holidays because mm-hmm. she loves Ireland. He would have been 80 years old, but he's not because he's dead. Da, 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 plot twist. Father John Stanley Gacy was an auto repair mechanic who named his son after Hollywood icon John Wayne, the one and only. And his mother's name was Marion Robertson. Gacy was born with a heart condition and unable to participate in school sports or really any vigorous activities. And for this reason, you know, he, he put on a little weight. He was, okay. yeah. Um, and this allowed or didn't allow it, it caused other children to ridicule him oh. and even his own father. His oh. father was his biggest bully. Yeah. Oh, no. John Sr. was an alcoholic that frequently demeaned his son by calling him a sissy because he wanted Gacy to, by the way, I'm going to, re- I'm going to talk about John Gacy Jr. I'm just going to call him Gacy. Okay. From here on. And his dad, John. So he senior wanted Gacy to like sports and fishing, you know, like guy stuff, but Gacy just really enjoyed gardening and cooking with his mother. Which is pretty sweet. That is sweet. John Sr.'s abuse eventually turned physical, and he was known to beat his children and his wife with a leather strap embedded with razor blades. Where do you get something like that? I I imagine you made it. Right. Which makes it even worse. I I have gotten spanked with a belt once in my or twice in my life, and I can't imagine that belt being having razor blades embedded into it. Torture. Yeah, Yeah. It's literally torture. One of John's childhood friends recalled that if John was late to dinner, no matter what the excuse was, he could have gotten hit by a car, he was not allowed any food. He would go to bed hungry. And the same friend also reported that this that he saw John Sr. slap Gacy across the face at the dinner table on one or two occasions. Yeah, just not just in front of God and everybody, not ashamed, just slapping his children everywhere in front of everyone. Gacy reports being hospitalized for much of his life from the ages of 14 to 18 due to mysterious seizure-causing illnesses and a ruptured appendix. I didn't really understand the ruptured appendix. Like, you just get you, that surgery is laparoscopic, and one, two, three, you're done. But he also well, had the heart condition, so I, was I guess. Say, is the suggestion that, like, his dad did something to him to cause his appendix to rupture, maybe? Oh, I don't think so. I don't so. know scientifically how that works, but, like, did his dad just, like, punch him in the appendix and it ruptured i don't think so but that's a good thought um his father however would visit him at the hospital where he accused gacy of faking his illnesses so there's that nice gacy began questioning his sexuality at a young age he confessed to a childhood friend that he would dress up in his mother's bra and underwear to see what it felt like to quote be a woman and being who he was his father obviously hated the idea and told Gacy that he would rather see him dead than becoming a homosexual. Yikes. But despite all of this, despite all of his father's abuse, John still craved his father's attention and approval, as most children I'm not do. Not surprised, yeah. 
And this would be the case for the rest of Gacy's life. He always craved this attention. He started exhibiting some behavior at an early age. In 1949, when he was just seven years old, he was found with a neighbor boy and the boy's little sister. All three of them were naked, and the boys were reportedly, quote, messing with the girl. In this incident, his father did find out about it, and he was beat for it. But so that was, we're, we're seven years old and we're starting, starting out. Starting young, mm-hmm. yeah. While Gacy denied sexual abuse at the hands of his father, he did report that he was sexually abused several times throughout his childhood. Once when he was eight years old, he said that his father had this contractor friend and the contractor friend would groom him by taking him out for ice cream and then show him these quote unquote wrestling holds, which was just basically him Mm -mm. holding him down Mm -hmm. and molesting him. Mm -hmm. At age 11, Gacy was struck in the head during a swing accident. I mean, it happened to the most, you know, you fall off the swings, comes back, hits you in the head, except it hit him so hard that it caused head trauma and later blackouts. And a lot of people will say, you know, this head trauma, this is where all of this started. But I say at seven years old before this, we yeah. were already doing things. Yeah. So well, I don't a, know. That's a, that's a combination. <clears throat> right. Many serial killers show three of the same signs in early childhood. One is bedwetting, two is fire starting, and do you want to guess what three is? Is this um, something about animals? Yeah, torturing yeah. small animals. Gacy, however, exhibited none of these behaviors, and he oh. was actually known to love animals. Okay. So he's an outlier, I guess you would okay. say. But I wonder if the, the head trauma plus the like sexual abuse plus mm-hmm. physical abuse could have been maybe he had those symptoms instead. Yeah. Although he attended four different high schools, Gacy never graduated, and he was determined to get away from his family and his father as soon as he turned 18. So he did. He got out of his house, and he moved to Las Vegas, and it was there that he was able to get a job as a mortuary assistant. Mm. You know, he didn't have a place to stay, so the business owner was like, you can just stay in the back. Nope. And he would often spend the night behind the embalming room. Nope. Mm Mm-hmm. Not doing that. And one night when he was there, he decided to crawl into the coffin of a young teenage boy who was recently deceased. And he said that he, quote-unquote, cuddled the boy before he was overcome with disgust and got out. And this, he would recall later, this certain instance, like, just changed his life. Like, for the good, for the bad, he was just, he was terrified of what had happened. He was terrified that he allowed it to happen, that he had that desire. And I have it kind of just set something off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Understandable. I don't, I can't ever in my life see me ever being anywhere close to having a desire to crawl in a coffin unless I'm dead. No. It just, and it's almost sad that it like scared him that he had that thought. That almost mm-hmm. sounds like um, schizophrenic, where yeah, he like at one point wanted to crawl into this coffin and do that. And then two and seconds then later, two was seconds like, later, was like, What yeah. am I doing? Yep. And kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde mm-hmm. situation, if you will. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Despite not finishing college, and I'm not really sure how this worked, Gacy eventually moved back to Chicago and was able to graduate from Northwestern Business College. I guess you could do that. Just like transferred and Mm -hmm. finished out somewhere else? Maybe. I don't know. After he graduated, he was able to lock down a management trainee position with the Nunn Bush Shoe Company and was transferred to Springfield, Illinois. Do you say Illinois or Illinois? I say Illinois. 
Okay. I That's think fine. I just said Illinois. So That's there fine. you go. There he met coworker Marilyn Myers and they married in September of 1964. It's around this time he joined the, what was known as the United States Junior Chamber. Uh, they were nicknamed the JCs and became a tireless worker for the organization, which was a nonprofit venture aimed at providing opportunities for young men. I imagine it's kind of like the Boys and Girls mm-hmm. Club, but it was just for boys. There were some sketchy things going on with the JCs also. They were known for like switching wives and getting together and watching adult films and Ew. that kind of thing. But he was well known in the organization and eventually became the vice president of the Springfield JCs in 1965. So. Marilyn's parents, who had purchased a group of KFCs, offered Gacy a job as manager of the Waterloo, Iowa KFC, and the Gacy's moved there from Springfield. They eventually had two children, a boy Michael and a girl Christine, and after the birth of his first child, this was pretty much the one and only time that his father told him he was proud of him. Oh. Because he's like living the American dream, he's got yeah. a white picket fence, he's got a family, wife, and wife kids. two kids, got a job. But Gacy was unfaithful right from the get-go of this marriage. I know you're surprised. Mm-mm. On the night of his first son's birth, it said that Gacy went to a bar where he met a man, took him home, and slept with him. No. Mm-hmm. Gacy was constantly trying to climb the social ladder and wanted people to like him. And the thing was, he was very well-liked by everyone that knew him. He offered to shovel ice from the neighbor's driveways for free. And he was also known for hosting like the sickest barbecues in the summer. And so upwards of like 400 people would show up to these barbecues. Oh, my word. He and his wife were also known for ho- hosting orgies. Oh, okay. So they just got it all at their house. Barbecues, mm-hmm. orgies. And then Gacy eventually turned his basement into a quote-unquote club and this was a club where young boys of the Waterloo community were allowed to drink and hang out, and they would watch adult films. No. A lot of them were the J- boys from the JC group. And this is how mm-hmm. a lot of Gacy's first crimes started taking place. So, Well, well that in and of itself is a crime, yeah. right? Like providing you alcohol would think, to minors? Oh, yeah. You would think. One day, he invited a 15-year-old boy named Donald Voorhees to his house, and he knew Donald because he worked with his father, who was a local senator. So you're getting brave here. Oh, yeah. Gacy allowed Donald to drink, and they watched an adult film together. That's basically what they're doing at all times if there's a young boy at his house drinking and watching porn. Um, When he was drunk, Gacy forced himself on the boy, and when he was done, Gacy told Donald that he had connections to the mob, and if Donald told anybody anything, that he would have him killed. And then he eventually dropped Donald back off at his house and gave him $50 to remain silent. Yikes. So there was this fear of this upcoming trial coming up, and in order to kind of blackmail Donald and scare him out of testifying, Gacy hired one of his employees to physically assault Donald, as if he had not already done enough. Right. But he still went to the police and ended up testifying, and Gacy was arrested, although he was adamant he was innocent. He was even like, I'll take a lie detector test. Like, give me a lie detector test. He's the one that brought it up. And then, what do you know, he failed the test. See, uh, that, that's like that's also like psychotic, where it's yeah. like, why would you suggest He's super confident yeah, that you know you're not going to pass? Mm-hmm. Gacy then changed his story by saying that the encounter was consensual, but then several other boys also came forward and said that they too were raped by Gacy. And he was eventually convicted of sodomy and sentenced to 10 years in prison in 1968. 
While there, he did undergo a psych evaluation, and the doctors diagnosed him with antisocial personality disorder. So if you don't know what that is, it's a personality disorder where essentially they don't have the discrepancy to figure right from wrong, no empathy towards others, very good at manipulating people. They show no remorse, no guilt. Essentially, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, that sounds Or any serial killer. Upon finding out what he had done to these boys, his wife, Marilyn, divorced him. And this would be the last time that he ever saw his children. Like, Mm. she didn't want them seeing him. And then he said he wanted nothing to do with them because he was mad and told them that they would be better off dead. So, and that probably worked out Uh, in their favor. Yeah, it probably worked out better for them. So, Gacy goes to prison, which he kind of thrives in prison. It's kind of like a whole vibe for him because he had this ability to make people like him and made many friends, including the guards. And because he had a history of working for KFC, he was made head cook at the prison. Yep. He also like fought for the inmates to, for their pay to be higher and was also able to convince whoever's in charge of this to build like a mini golf course outside in the, how i'm just like her taxpayer money is going to building john wayne gacy a golf course yeah also i thought normally in in prison people like really were against like child molesters yeah so he must have been like very charismatic yeah the gift of gab seriously as soon as gacy arrived in prison he did uh, find out that his father died and despite all of the abuse and the bullying, it said that he collapsed on the floor. He was wailing, crying, and they denied him an opportunity to go to his father's funeral. But this, so, so was that was that those emotions like a ruse just to get out of prison for a minute and go to his father's funeral, be. or did he actually feel these feelings for his like abuser? I think I think he really might, or maybe be, a little bit of both. Yeah. Despite raping multiple boys, Gacy only served 16 months of his 10-year sentence and was released on good behavior. I don't. Ew. I will never understand how absolutely the not. legal system works, but no. he was under probation and had conditions to this probation, which including he, they were basically like your mother has to be your roommate, and you That's have to be punishment home. for the mother too. Yeah, and you have to be home by 10 p.m. So with his mother's assistance, he was able to buy a house at 8213. West Somerdale Avenue in Chicago. And this kind of became the house of horrors, Mm. if you will. Out of prison, and now with experience, Gacy was able to land a job as a cook, and he worked overtime and saved up his money and was eventually able to open his own construction company called PDM Contractors. I believe it stood for painting, decorating, and maintenance, something like that. He also got remarried in 1972 to a woman named Carol Hoff. I guess there's somebody, someone out there for everybody. You I, know what I mean? I'm shocked. She and her two daughters moved in with them, and Gacy confessed to Carol that he was bisexual. I don't. It. I couldn't figure out if she didn't really believe him or she didn't care or whatnot. But they still got married. Nine days after they were married, Gacy was accused of attempting to assault a young boy and then run him over with his car. But the boy didn't show up for court, and the charges were dropped. And no one really knows if Carol ever knew about everything that was going on. You'd have to plead some pretty big ignorance to not be able to see some of what's going on Mm -hmm. right in front of your face. So I bet you're not surprised the marriage to Carol didn't last long. I'm not. She was very suspicious of Casey. And, you know, he would work long days and work well into the night. 
doing God knows what. And during this time, she would kind of go through his things. And she found several pictures, naked pictures of men, as well as wallets of young boys in the house and in Gacy's car. Mm -mm. I don't know why she didn't go to the police, but she did file for divorce in 1976. Mm -mm. It is in 1975, a little before that, Gacy became aware of a group called the Jolly Joker Clown Club. There Mm, she is. There she is. And this was a group of volunteer clowns who were perform at fundraising events, hospitals, etc., Gacy joined the group. I feel like he was that kid in high school who was just in every single club. Yeah, just just to make as many friends as possible. Mm-hmm. So he joined this clown group, and he created two characters for himself, Pogo the Clown and Patches the Clown. And he described Pogo as the happy one and Patches as the more serious type. I'm not sure why he thought a child needed a serious clown, but there, there, if, you, if you needed it, there, there you it go. He, he provided And he said that he enjoyed being a clown because it allowed him to regress into his childhood. I imagine that's the same reason like a lot of adults like to go to Disney World. Right. A.K.A. me. But also why would his childhood was not great. Right. So why would you want to go? Well, maybe the childhood he didn't have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes more sense. Sometimes he was known to leave his costume on after events and just go out on the town drinking. So it was just a drunk clown. He probably just told everybody, I just got off work. Where it's yeah. like, no, you just like wearing that. Yeah. Or you just woke up this morning and put that on and headed yeah. down. Yeah. He also entered local Democratic Party politics. And there's this one famous picture of him with Lady Rosalind, First Lady Rosalind Carter, Jimmy Carter's wife. And it's funny because the Secret Service, he had this little pin on his shirt that had an S on it, meaning he had been cleared by the Secret Service. And if they had done any background check at all, they would have seen his conviction that he got for sodomy and i'm I'm not really no one really understands how that happened but uh, it's an embarrassment for our uh, yeah secret service i'm gonna hope that they've gotten a little better since then Mm -hmm. as gacy was becoming more popular in the community by throwing all these parties and dressing up as pogo the truth was he was edging closer and closer to becoming this horrific monster that became his legacy because i was gonna say he's not famous for sodomy and he's not famous for his his backyard barbecues no this it this story just Mm -hmm. keeps escalating um on january 3rd 1972 16 year old timothy mccoy was returning home from a christmas vacation when he met gacy at the bus station gacy offered to give timothy a tour of chicago and timothy agreed and he told timothy that he should come back to his house and he would take him back to the bus station in the morning And Gacy claims that when he woke up the next morning, he found McCoy standing at his bedroom door with a knife. And according to Gacy, he wrestled the knife away from Timothy and then stabbed him to death. But it wasn't until he walked into the kitchen that he realized Timothy had made him breakfast, had set the table for two. And this is why he was holding the knife. He just so happened to be holding the knife and walked in to wake Gacy up. And then Gacy murdered him. That's Gacy's. That's his story? Yeah, that's the story. And then he buried Timothy in the crawl space, the very famous crawl space. Right. Because this was a Mm self-defense. And so you buried him in the crawl space secretly. It wasn't until 1986 when Timothy's body was identified via dental records. And Gacy would later say that this is when he realized that death was the ultimate thrill. And he would, uh, I believe he said he essentially had an orgasm just thinking about what Killing he did to Timothy. Ew. Yeah. Gacy said the second time he committed murder was around January 1974. And this victim remains undenif- un- excuse me, unidentified. 
Gacy strangled him and then placed his body in the closet before burial. And he later stated that he learned that when a body is decomposing, it bloats up. There's a lot of fluid that's released and it stained his carpet. And as a result, he took this as a learning lesson. And then from there on out would stuff cloth rags or the victim's own underwear or sock into their mouths. So this leakage would not occur. And then, you know, Carol divorced him, like we said. And after that, the victims just piled up. And I had originally planned to go over each one, but, but it's literally, lot. yeah, it's it's the same thing um, over and over again. And we'll kind of go over names. his MO or whatever. Like I said, he had 33 victims, so that, we, that would have taken a, a while. Yeah. But he actually had some victims that lived, and I wanted to talk about them here because they lived to tell their story. So A little bit of positivity here. Mm-hmm. Not everyone died. In May of 1975, Gacy hired 15-year-old Anthony Antonucci. And two months later, he went to Anthony's home knowing that Anthony had recently injured his foot in an accident. So he was vulnerable. Mm. And once there, the two drank a bottle of wine and then watched a, a adult film, surprise, 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 before he wrestled Anthony to the floor and cuffed his hands behind his back. And what he didn't know was one of the cuffs was loose and Gacy went in another room to get something and Anthony was able to get the cuffs off of him. And being the high school wrestler that he was, when Gacy came back into the room, he pounced on him, was able to get the handcuff key, get the handcuffs off of him, and then pinned Gacy's hands behind his back and put the handcuffs on him. Nice. And at first, Gacy threatened Anthony. I, I don't know how you threaten someone when you're you're the one handcuffed. with your hand behind your back. But then he calmed down and promised to leave if he would just remove the handcuffs. And Anthony agreed, and Gacy left. And Anthony later recalled that Gacy told him, quote, not only are you the only one who got out out of the cuffs, you got them on me. So we, so these handcuffs were kind of his MO. He had a couple, one would be dressed or he had this fake badge and fake light he would put on the top of his car and he would drive around like a police officer and he would get victims that way. Or once the victims were in his home, he would say, I'm going to show you this magic trick and then put the cuffs on himself and get out of them without a key. And then be like, I want to see if you can do it. And then he would handcuff the boys. They would be handcuffed. And then he would rape them, torture them, kill them, and put them into the crawl space. Ooh. So he straight up just admitted to Anthony basically that he's done this before and right. Anthony's the only one who's gotten out. Yep. Yep. On July 26, 1976, Gacy picked up 18-year-old David Cram as he was hitchhiking, and he offered him a job at PCM. As you'll see, a lot of the victims worked at this, I'm I'm sorry, not PCM, PDM, and I don't know how they didn't pick up on the fact that all of these workers from this one company were going missing, missing. but um, he invited David to come stay at his house. He was like, I got an extra room. You can come live with me. And under the guise of needing pipe work done in the basement, Gacy convinced David to dig these holes in the crawl space. All the while, David was completely unaware that these were graves. And he was very specific, like, you cannot dig here. You have to dig here. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. Did he not get suspicious when he was like, I need you to dig a hole that's about three by six? (laughs) If not, then he should have gotten suspicious by the next things that happened. Oh, okay. One night, David gets home, and he finds Gacy dressed as Pogo the Clown, just sitting there at the kitchen table. And he's like, come over, have a drink with me. Mm -mm. 
He then used the handcuff trick on him, and David later described that when Gacy put the handcuffs on people, he would, or, you know, unfortunately got to witness this, he would become a completely different person and talk in this really high-pitched, eerie voice, sometimes even growl. And he was able to kick Gacy in the face and free himself. But I guess he was just down on his luck, didn't have anywhere else to go, so he continued to live with him. I guess Gacy could play it off like, oh, man, it was just a joke. We were oh, drunk. we were drunk. Yeah. yeah. Ew. Uh, it wasn't until a month later that Gacy appeared at David's bedroom door intending to rape him, and the two ended up wrestling again, and David was able to escape. And this time, he did move out and left PDM, but he did peri- periodically work for Gacy over the following two years, so... They still had some type of relationship. He just has this way over people that he can convince them to do anything. That is shocking to me. Shortly after he moved out, another one of his young employees, 18-year-old Michael Rossi, moved in with him. He also helped with digging out stuff in the crawl space. They also were frequently told to go put, um, what's it called, quick lie? In the yeah. Yep. And the, they, they were told that the smell came from, like, the flooding in the area made the clay smell bad because it was, like, red clay that the house was on. So mm-hmm. just imagine being down there digging and finding out later you were digging graves. Yeah, that's terrifying. On December 30th, Gacy abducted 19-year-old student Robert Donnelly from a Chicago bus stop at gunpoint. Gacy drove him to his home where he raped, tortured, and repeatedly dumped Donnelly's head in the bathtub until he passed out. And Gacy taunted him and said, quote, aren't we playing fun games tonight? And Donnelly later testified at Gacy's trial that he was in so much pain that he was begging Gacy to kill him. Oh, that's sad. And then Gacy replied to him, I'm getting around to it. And after several hours, Gacy drove... Nobody understands why he... Well, I understand. It's because he's crazy. After he did all this, he drove Donnelly to his workplace and released him, warning him that if he complained to the police, they would not believe them. That's what... I'm like, how... He had... Just delusional. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, why would you... You kill somebody who, like, showed up at your door with a knife that made breakfast, but then... Or if mm-hmm. that's your story. But then you, like torture this person and you just let him go yeah yep uh well so he did get away with it because he reported the assault and um gacy met with the police and said well oh it's a consensual relationship he's just my sex slave and um they believed him and no files is that okay charges were filed i don't know i don't understand (laughs) what the judicial system i don't get it what oh that's fine for you to have a 19 year old sex slave right i guess so because he's 19 it's oh. age of consent so like i said there are several other people who lived one of them being a 26 year old by the name of jeffrey rignall um, on march 21st he entered gacy's car and gacy chloroformed him and drove him to his house where his arms and head were restrained in a pillory device so those things that you oh yeah the wood thing where your head's trapped in it and in your arms why do you just have one of those john wayne gacy i'll tell you that and his feet were locked in a device on the floor as well and gacy explained to rignall he had to complete he had complete control over him and that he intended to do whatever he wanted with him when he wanted and how he wanted and then he raped and tortured Rignall with various instruments, including lit candles, whips, repeatedly chloroformed him into unconsciousness, 
And then he drove Rignall to Chicago's Lincoln Park, where he was dumped. He thought he was dead. He wasn't. He was unconscious, but alive. So he managed to stagger to his girlfriend's apartment, and police were informed of the assault, but did not investigate Gacy. I don't know why. Just that's on track for the way the story's going. I'm so rattled. Rignall was able to recall through the haze of everything that happened that Gacy was driving this Oldsmobile. So he and two friends staked out the exit where he knew that him and Gacy had gotten off of or the area, and they waited for the Oldsmobile that he was familiar with to drive by. And they were able to follow Gacy to 8213 West Somerdale by doing this and told the police and the police obtained an arrest warrant and Gacy was arrested on July 15th and he was facing trial for battery against Rignall. But that's it? No other? Just that one? uh, Oh, no. We're we're getting to it. Okay, I was about to say, please tell me he got in trouble for more than just the one. Yeah. Somehow he gets out of this too. And by 1978, he's killed so many people that the crawl space, there was no more room for bodies filled up the entire crawl space so i'm going to assume he doesn't just stop no yeah no of course not he later confessed to police that he considered stowing bodies in his attic but then he was worried about complications from leaking Mm -hmm. like yeah decomp just coming through your ceiling Mm -hmm. and therefore he chose to dispose of the rest of his victims off the i-55 bridge into the des plains river and he stated that he had thrown five additional bodies into the river in 1978, one of which he believed had landed on a passing barge, and only four bodies were ever found. Yeah. Was there no, like, report of some barge? Yeah, being like, we never know. Where, where's that barge at? Yeah. On the afternoon of December... So now we're going to talk about his last victim. Okay. On the afternoon of December 11th, 1978... Gacy visited the Nissan pharmacy in Des Plaines to discuss a potential remodeling deal with the store owner, Phil Torf. And while he was in earshot of 15-year-old part-time employee Robert Peist, Gacy mentioned his company often hired teenage boys at a starting wage of about $5 per hour, and this was more than Robert Peist was making at the pharmacy. So shortly after gacy left the pharmacy peist's mother arrived at the store to drive her son home but he was like hey there's a guy there's a contractor in there talking to me about a job i'm gonna go talk to him i'll be home later and he left the store at 9 p.m and promised to return return home shortly he he never returned home i bet he didn't peist was murdered shortly after 10 p.m at gacy's home he had duped peist into donning these handcuffs before saying quote I'm going to rape you and you can't do anything about it. And he said that Pice began weeping. And he also stated that he placed the rope around Pice's neck. And while he was doing so, Pice was crying scared. And he admitted to having received a phone call from a business acquaintance as Pice lay dying, suffocating on his bedroom floor. He was just having a business call. Casually accepts a a phone call. Yep. When Robert Pice failed to return, his family filed a missing persons report with the Des Plaines police it's actually sad. It was he was supposed to be going home to celebrate his mother's birthday. It was oh. his mother's birthday the day he d- disappeared. So, yeah. Uh, Torf, the owner of the pharmacy, named Gacy as the contractor Peist had most likely been talking to uh, about the job at a store, and so one of the investigators went to talk to Gacy further, um, having spoken with Peist's mom on the morning of December twelfth. He became convinced that Pice had not run away from home because 
he was a happy kid. He loved his family. And a routine check of uh, Gacy's criminal background, finally, somebody looked into that, revealed that he had an outstanding battery charge against him in Chicago and had served prison sentence in Iowa for the sodomy of a 15-year-old boy. So, uh, long story short, they get two restore warrants for Gacy's house. The first time they go, they go, they actually look in the crawl space, but there's no... Like, uh, They're all buried, right? Right. And the dirt is flat. It doesn't look like anyone's been buried there. So on this first uh, search warrant, they searched his house, Gacy's house, and they found several strange things. One was a jewelry box containing two driver's license and several rings, including one which had been engraved with the main West High School class of 1975 and the initials J-A-S on the inside. So obviously not That his. was one of his victims. Mm-hmm. Um, a box containing marijuana and rolling papers, which... Okay. Very cool. Seven erotic movies made in Sweden. I like how specific that was. Pills including amyl nitrite and Valium. Books, mm. several books, lots of interesting names. Uh, I almost just gagged in my mouth a little bit. Tight Teenagers, The Rights of Gay People, Bike Boy, Sex Between Men and Boys, 21 Abnormal Sex Cases, The American Bicentennial Gay Guide, Heads and Tails, and The Great Swallow. Ew. Uh, <clears throat> I guess those kind of books exist out there. I don't I'm know. I'm shocked. A pair of handcuffs with keys, a three-foot-long two-by-four wooden plank with two holes drilled in each one. I imagine that's, that's the, the pillory pillar, thing. Yeah. A six-millimeter Italian pistol, police badges, an 18-inch rubber dildo, um, uh, a hypodermic syringe in in a needle with a small brown bottle, clothing that was not his, and a receipt for a roll of film with with a serial number on it from Nissan Pharmacy, where where Robert Peist worked, and nylon rope. I mean, lock him up right now based on all those things. You don't need a body. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't have enough e- evidence. But on the evening of December 20th, Gacy drove to his lawyer's office in Park Ridge to attend a scheduled meeting because he was already, he at this point, mm-hmm. he was in trouble with the police. And on his arrival, Gacy appeared disheveled and immediately asked for an alcoholic beverage. And um, so they got him the alcohol and he started drinking. And there was a copy of the Daily Herald on the lawyer's desk. And Gacy pointed to the front page article that was covering Robert Pice's disappearance. It had his picture mm-hmm. on there, and he pointed to the picture and said, this boy is dead. He's dead in the river. So he then proceeded to give an entire confession on, every, on everything he had done, including dumping bodies into the river, all of that. And he dismissed his victims by saying that they were male prostitutes, hustlers, liars. Um, he admitted to the rope trick. He, he admitted to everything. But as a result of the alcohol he consumed, he fell asleep midway through his confession. And um, the while he was asleep, the lawyers arranged for him to have a psychiatric appointment at 9 a.m. the next morning. But when he woke up, Gacy was like, what do you mean I confessed to killing 30 <gasps> people? And he said, quote, well, I can't think about this right now. I've got things to do. And ignoring his lawyer's advice, he skipped his scheduled appointment and left their office to do whatever John Gacy does. Yikes. So he later talked about his memories of his final day of freedom as being, quote, hazy. And he knew that his arrest was inevitable. And so he would, that day he went around, said goodbye to friends. 
He went to his father's grave. He even met with one of his friends named Ronald Road and told him in tears, quote, I've been a bad boy. I killed 30 people, give or, few, or give or take a few. And his friend was just like, okay. All right. So after the first search warrant of the house, he was put on 24-hour surveillance. And he always knew that the cops were following him. And they would come into the places where he was because they were like, he knows we're following. We might as well just sit in and have a beer. And they actually became like just some good old chums with they were friends and they would go out to eat together and stuff and they were getting closer to Gacy. One time they were watching him outside of the house. Gacy noticed and was like, y'all should just come in and have dinner with me. So they came in the house and one of the officers went to use the bathroom. And while he was in the bathroom, the heat turned on in the house and this wafted up the smell of decomp. And that, that was enough probable cause for them to go on and get a second search warrant. So they get there. When they get there, they find that Gacy had unplugged the sump pump, which flooded the crawl space with water. And they were easily able to clear it by just doing whatever you do. They put the drain back in and it cleared. And after it had drained, they entered the crawl space. It was a 28 by 38 foot crawl space. And they began digging. And it was not long before they discovered just bodies yeah. and the crawl space of this house essentially turned into an archaeological site yeah it's a graveyard we'll, yeah we'll post pictures online um it took them a while to go through and they were very delicate with everything and some of the bodies were not um, identified until 2017 so whoa yeah on friday december 22nd 1978 gacy finally confessed to the police that he killed at least 33 people and buried most of the remains of the victims in the crawl space of his house he further confessed that he would lure his victims into being handcuffed and then he would sexually assault them and to muffle their screams he would stuff a sock or underwear into their mouths and kill them by pulling a rope or board against their throats as he raped them Ew. He admitted to sometimes keeping the dead bodies under his bed or in the attic for several hours before eventually burying them in the crawl space. On Wednesday, February 6, 1980, John Wayne Gacy's murder trial began in the Cook County Criminal Courts building in Chicago, Illinois. Jury members consisted of five women and seven men, and they listened as the prosecutor talked about Robert Peist's life and his gruesome death and how Gacy was responsible for the murder of 32 other young men. I, I, I imagine they have to go over each murder and how long that I would trial assume, I would assume took. so, yeah, because they would, wouldn't they have to file charges on each count? Yeah. At the request of his defense counsel, Gacy spent over 300 hours with doctors at the Menard Correctional Center in Chester in the year before his trial, and he went, underwent a variety of psychological tests before a panel of psychiatrists to, to determine whether he was mentally competent to stand trial. Because you know he's going to go for that I insanity know, plea. I know, Which, like, I do think he's insane, but I don't think mm-hmm. that gets him off scot-free. Right. He was attempted to convince the doctors that he had multiple personality disorder, and he claimed to have four personalities. One, the hardworking, civic-minded contractor... Then you have the clown, Mm -hmm. then you have the active politician, Mm -hmm. and then you have a policeman called Jack Hanley, whom he referred to as Bad Jack. And when Gacy confessed to the police, he claimed to be relaying the crimes of Jack, who detested homosexuality and who viewed male prostitutes as weak and stupid. 
So not get John Wayne Gacy, just this alternate mm-hmm. ego hated mm-hmm. homosexuals and wanted to kill them. So yeah, they end up presenting Gacy, his defense does, as a Jekyll and Hyde character. They plead the insanity plea. No one's surprised. Um, it only took two hours of deliberation before the jury came back with its verdict and he was guilty. I was about to say, easily guilty. I was about to say, please don't say that he was not guilty. Yeah. He received the death penalty and was sent to the Menard Correctional Center where he would spend 14 years just sitting on death row thinking about death coming and would later die by lethal injection. And for his execution, Gacy was flown by helicopter from Menard Correctional Center in downstate Illinois to Stateville Penitentiary just outside of Chicago. Later, a Stateville uh, prison spokesperson told the New York Times that Gacy was, quote, chatty during his last day of life and made easy small talk. They talked about the Chicago Cubs, um, just, just just shooting the breeze, shooting the breeze with the mailman. For his final meal, Gacy ate Kentucky Fried Chicken, just putting a little nice bow on the end of the story, fried shrimp, French fries, and fresh strawberries. And shortly before midnight, Gacy was brought from his holding cell to the execution chamber. Large groups of demonstrators had gathered outside, both for and against the death penalty. I imagine most of them were for it because that, yeah. they the demonstrators were singing na 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 hey 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 kiss him goodbye so loudly that it can be heard in the execution building. Similar to when they were killing Bundy, they gathered outside and were singing very loudly, burn, Teddy burn. I think that's what they were singing. I did not know that. Shortly after midnight on May 11th, 1994, Gacy was given a a three-drug lethal injection. Uh, At one point, there was a clog in the IV line that delayed it about 10 to 20 minutes. But they eventually gave him the third drug, potassium chloride, and stopped his heart, and Gacy was pronounced dead at 1258. The killer clown was finally dead. Yikes. He killed 33 people At and least. buried most of them in the crawl space under his house where he lived and invited people over and had barbecues. Also, I just want to know, where was his mom? Wasn't he supposed to, like, when he got released, wasn't when, he supposed yeah, to be roommates his with his pro- mom? His pro- probation was only for a year, I think. And so once that was over and he got married, his mom, I believe, moved back out. Yikes. I was but, say, please tell me his mom just wasn't, like, sitting upstairs just without any idea what's going on yeah i don't, I don't know where old marion went but i because i was kind of confused as to why all of these boys are going over to his house mm-hmm. and doing these things with him and he later said that he would tell the boys you have to have sex with a man before you have sex with a woman like that's just the way it works that's how that's how you're gonna learn so clearly I, or in my interpretation none of these boys were male prostitutes no. I was no, say, there was well, no indication of that. I didn't see where any of them were. Most of them worked for him. Right. I was about to say, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like he's seeking out yeah. this like certain group of people. It's like these are people, young boys who worked for him, who were mm-hmm. looking to make some extra money, who like thought he yeah. was giving some type of advice. And I don't wonder, the two that, the, the, um, the two that were living with him... How did you not... Well, one of them almost got murdered, but the fact that they were not murdered, they got away by the skin of their that teeth. good for them. Anyway, I'm, th- I'm so... I'm kind of glad that's over. Yeah. My voice is tired, and that... And I had initially planned to go over every murder, and it's not that the the, the, vic- the other victims aren't important, um, 
It's no, just, it's just there's it, so and it's, many. There's not a lot to every victim. It's just like he, he brought the them home. He yeah. put them in the handcuffs. He strangled them and and killed them and put them in the crawl space. Maybe we'll put a uh, list of all the victims' names on oh, Instagram. That's a good idea. Yeah, but they were all boys. That's heartbreaking. And that is why I don't like clowns. And because you don't know who's behind the face. You d- you sure don't. And if you don't, you're hoping it's not John Wayne Gacy. Well, yeah, reincarnated because he's dead. You can check us out on Instagram at Scary Tales Podcast. You can see some of these scary photos of clowns. I'll post pictures of the excavation during um, the investigation when they were finding all the and, bodies. And the Ed Sheeran looking clown. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it is Ed Sheeran. Maybe. Anyway, join join us next time. I don't know what we're talking about, but it's, it's probably not, better than John Wayne Gacy. Not going to be clowns. Yep. Oh, right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.